Alex, welcome to the garbage that is Monday morning that also includes us. Hooray! Good morning, <laughs> Giant Bob! Well, let me just turn down my own big knob here. Just turn yeah. you all the way down. Good. That's Yeah, that's good. That'll make conversation go real well today. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some sort of like Google effects captions option, right? Yeah, yeah, like a subtitle for for, for oh. Google Effects. That that would. I'd also just like to point out. Uh, this won't mean anything to almost anyone watching this, but so like when I create the promos for these these chats, our show, uh, I just put in gibberish, and right now the front page yeah. promo just says ASDF. Good, good work. <laughs> you've d- you've done well, Patrick Klepik. You are clearly on the ball when it comes to this shit. Good work. Well, because the it's getting into technical stuff, but with our chat pages are different than our promo pages, and uh, yeah, okay, I thought about changing it, but I, I switched it back. So, for a brief Fair a brief enough. amount of time, there was a, a glaring error on the front page because I never I never make any errors otherwise, and I, it's embarrassing that I would have made one this morning. Here's a here's a, here's a trick I've learned about getting through uh, through things on the internet mm-hmm. like this. Don't try. Yeah, man, that is. Don't trying is so overrated. Just just do the laziest, most half-assed thing you possibly can, and people will That's love you a good for point. it. Yeah, or else you else you get called a hipster on the internet. Yeah, there is that too. Yeah, that that well, that's that sort of you know, it, 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 you take the good, you take the bad. Something, something. The facts of life. The facts of life. Yeah, you know? we, we talked about this very briefly before we started, but uh, over the weekend, I made a tweet. I know, Rad- I, radical. Uh, hey, hey I now, thought, weekend. I tweeting. thought that stuff turned off on the weekends, but. Uh, so I played a, I had basically my first weekend, my first time to really sit down, <clears throat> play a significant amount of GTA V. Uh, I had kind of sure. plucked away at it before, but that game takes a while before you kind of get into the rhythm of A, how you want to play it, and just B, understanding sort of the nuances of what's kind of going on in the world and sort of the rhythms of the world itself. And I finally was able to sort mm-hmm. of establish that this weekend and sort of get the game and, and was sort of having a, a really good time with it. But... One of the things that made me laugh and still makes me laugh every single time I finish a mission is when the sub-objectives come up and you get assigned to some sort of medal because you don't get any indication about what those sub-objectives are during the mission. No. Uh, no. Most of them are just poorly designed to begin with. Like, when I saw headshots on the one of the first ones, I thought that made sense because it was the first gunfight I'd gotten in. So... Well, yeah, they're going to want to maybe encourage you to, yeah, there's the snap to aim, but then, you know, adjust it a little bit so you can get more precise aiming. But no, then there's like 12 more missions that are like, get eight headshots. It's like, that's doesn't sound that fun. Uh, and and no. in general, I found the, the, the medals to be the equivalent of trying to get 100% sync in Assassin's Creed, which is that it's, I feel bad for people that feel this need to to get all that stuff. Because I don't, right. and so I can just ignore yeah. it and move on. But I know there are people out there that that is a huge thing for them in games. And so when they are so poorly designed and implemented as they are in GTA V, that seems like that could be really infuriating. Yes. And I, for my part, I have spent no time trying to get those medals whatsoever. Like, if I get a gold, uh, it is purely on accident. Uh, most times I, I, I've managed to get through most of them with silver. So I've gotten a few bronzes, mostly when I've hit a mission that, and I only do this with side missions, but any side mission that I'm just not having fun with, I will hit that skip button the second it pops up. I don't care enough about the side missions or the other shit going on in that game to where I am willing to sit there and do stuff over and over and over again. I realize that, you know, to a lot of people that is probably cheap. That is, you know, I'm not getting the full experience by not going through this stuff. I don't give shit because (laughs) none of that stuff is actually fun enough to where I am willing to do it over and over and over again just for the sake of trying to get some dumb metal or, you know, even just for the sake of getting a completion on some side mission that doesn't actually tie into the main Well, yeah, like, for for example, I ran into the first time where I was tempted to hit skip mission when uh, I had my first street race and I had picked let's say, a, a car poorly suited for a street race uh, that was fishtailing all over the place. And just, I, even though I'd come to grips with the, the driving at that point, in a racing scenario, this was not the kind of car you would want. And it struggled to even mm-hmm. keep up uh, with the AI. And I, you, in order to finish this street race, it wasn't just get to the end. It was get in first place. Uh, and eventually, right. I, I actually managed to finish it. I said, I'll give it one more shot. Uh, before I just straight up skip it, and I did manage to to get first place. Um, 
But I, I actually, I'm glad that feature is there. I think that's a smart oh, yeah. addition, especially when you take into account the continued statistics that indicate most people do not finish their games. Um, you know, where at that point right. we're talking about a much wider audience, but and probably not necessarily the kinds of people tuning into a show like this. But statistically, the vast majority of people see a very tiny percentage of the overall game, and so having a feature like that, I think, helps those types of people. And at the same time, uh, you know, when you run into a mission that just for whatever reason it's just not clicking, just, you know, you move on from it. Yeah, totally. And I think that, yeah, it's absolutely a smart addition. It's one of those things that I didn't expect from that game at all because I wouldn't expect GTA to really want to hold anyone's hand just because of the way those games have kind of traditionally been over the years. Um, But I think it's, I think the way they implement it was smart. You have to fail a few times before they'll let you skip it. You can't just auto skip everything. And that I think is probably the best implementation they could have had of that stuff. Um, Though I, you know, playing this weekend, I, I found myself mostly just sticking to the story stuff. Uh, I didn't end up doing much of the side. I've actually played through a lot of the side stuff already. And and I, I don't know why it's just anytime I see a side mission, I feel like I have to go try it at least once before I go on to anything else. Like it's this weird obsessive compulsive completionist in me where it's like if there's a a little dot that has a person's name on it i feel like i have to go do it before i do the main stuff otherwise i just i won't feel right i won't feel clean i'll feel like i'm not doing my job right and it it makes me but i've gotten through most of that stuff uh so i suppose mostly focused on the story this weekend and i got through a whole bunch of it uh not spoiling anything but i've done i think the bulk of the heists now how many um i am about to do this i i'm in a position to execute the second heist but I've also done a okay. lot of side uh, stuff uh, leading up to that. I, I haven't really prioritized the heist stuff. I've done, like, five of them, I think. Four or five of them. And I think there's a couple more after that. They're, like, they're talking... They're they're building up to the big one right now. Um, but they haven't... Like, there's, there's some other stuff going on before you get to do that. So I haven't quite got through all of that yet. But... Uh, I've done a bunch of the heists. I will say that I was a little disappointed that none of the heists so far have actually required me to do as much planning or, uh, work to make them happen, uh, as that first heist where you have to get, like, you know, multiple generic gangsters on your side, uh, you know, to, to, to join up. You have to go, you know, get the truck and get all the other stuff, and it's like... There are moments where you have to do some of those things in in the heist that come after that, but it's not. It never feels quite as fleshed out. And I don't know. Maybe some of the, the couple last ones will will have me doing more. But I was, I was hoping for a little bit more from the heist. I, I've been enjoying them. Like actually executing them has been fun, but uh, not as much not as much prep work as I was kind of hoping for. Which sounds weird because that's not necessarily the thing I would expect to be wanting to do in a game. But I like that. I like the way they have those set up where you have to go and you have to acquire all the things you need to do the heist. Well, I mean. It's one of the these sort of really salient points in Tom Bissell's article from last week was when you actually start breaking down all the things that you do in Grand Theft Auto, and in five I feel like this is as, as salient as it's been in in in, in previous GTAs is uh, a lot of mundane weird stuff. They build a lot of game mechanics that would just be a cutscene or skipped over in in any other game purely from like a, a pure resources standpoint. But they build a lot of right. crazy weird one-off stuff. Uh, that is built into to to things like that. Um, that I that I, I I appreciate on sort of like a craftsmanship level that they took the time to do this, even if it isn't all that great. And in terms of the side mission stuff, I have found the strangers and freaks to be really satisfying and really interesting. I feel like the strangers and freaks stuff is what really makes the world come alive because a lot of the really strange mm-hmm. stuff is hidden away in there, and it's where. It starts to make the world a little more cohesive because uh, GTA 4's Liberty City was much more serious and you didn't want to be crazy and wild if you wanted to play it according to what it, it appeared to be Nico's character was and what the, the story was. But in in 5, they very much want to encourage you, you know, the way the police are more scattered, uh, the, the way that you can get away from them. Like They, they want to encourage you to be a little crazier and, and not worry so much about right. the moment-to-moment world consequences. And that it sometimes feels like a cognitive dissonance that I think is sort of not explained, but better informed when you do the strangers and freaks because these are these, there are all these crazy people on the fringe or weird stuff happening on the side. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil any of them because some of the, some of my favorite ones have so yeah. far been some of my favorite moments. But specifically when you're introduced to Trevor uh, and 
you have a, a mission that involves a cult in the mountains, and I'll, I'll say that that's yeah. it. Um, it's it's just it does so much for informing the character, uh, and it does so much for informing the the nature of the world, and it's completely optional. Yet having done it, I feel like I have a much better sense of sort of the balance of things in in the world of Los Santos. Yeah, those those Sprangers and Freaks missions are where you can definitely tell that the people making that game gave... GTA V does not give a whole lot of shit about context. It's not really that worried about, you know, trying to make all the pieces fit. It's more about you just trying to get into this playground as much as possible while, you know, the narrative takes hold where it makes sense. So, you know, when you start meeting all these weird people like the paparazzi guy and that crazy British couple and, you know, like the cult in the mountains and all that kind of stuff... Uh, there's no real setup for any no. of it. You just kind of do it. And at first that was really jarring to me because I was like, why does, why am I doing any of this? But then you start realizing, yeah, some of those missions are some of the funniest, most like bizarre things in the game. Uh, you know, and that's why I keep going back to those and why I kind of can't let myself just leave those on the map when they're there. Because a lot of times that, that ends up being the more interesting stuff, which I'm surprised, but I mean, I'm not saying I haven't enjoyed enjoying the story. I think there there are parts of that that story and that narrative that are really really good. There are other parts that don't fit together so well, but you know, by and large, for for a game that's trying to tell three different stories, you know, and combine elements of you know multiple like a wide variety of pop culture resources, it does a much better job than I think it necessarily has any right to. Especially considering how slavishly it kind of dedicates itself to a lot of the same tropes and mechanics of the gta series that have kind of been around forever yeah uh at the point that i'm in you know obviously you're much further and could vaguely allude to whether this changes or not but and, I, and i'll be vague here as well when i try and describe sort of one of my early issues um franklin was sort of my early favorite character i, I really liked the yeah. setup for him but i feel like at least in what it feels like maybe the first third of the game that I'm through, the game doesn't know what to do with him anymore. Uh, he had an interesting setup, but essentially once Trevor is introduced, uh, Michael's story... Trevor takes over that well, game. Well, Trevor takes over that game, and it becomes the Michael and Trevor show, which makes sense because that's right. the setup. And Franklin is, is the one that just sort of kind of gets caught in the mix. And I think they did a poor job of setting up Franklin for why he's even involved in this story to begin with. And you, you, yeah, there's a little bit of, there's a lot of happenstance there that sort of brings him into all and, of that. And, and it runs really contrary to Michael and Trevor, who have a long history, a reason to like each other and hate each other. They're a lot of fun to watch those characters interact with each other. And it makes, and bec it makes a lot of fun to play those missions as those two characters because the way the special abilities are built, you feel like you're playing as two different type of guys that approach these scenarios differently. Whereas, Franklin just feels like he's there, and and and, and I don't yeah. know if that changes later in the story if they find more meaningful reasons for him to be part of the narrative. But it, it does feel like his existence there is kind of forced, and it's too bad because I feel like Michael's backstory isn't that interesting, and it only becomes interesting once Trevor is involved. And Franklin right. has a potentially really interesting part to play, but at least to the point I'm at, it mostly just feels like he's a third wheel. And, and they haven't found uh, sort of his footing in terms of why he has to be here. Yeah, well, without saying anything specific, I will say that at the point I'm at right now, they have not necessarily fixed that hmm. yet. So, like, there is more stuff with Franklin, but nothing that's really, like, tied him into everything yet. So I'm, I'm hoping that by the end of it, they will have, you know, kind of looped everything around. I know there are multiple endings. I don't know what any of them are, and I'm, you know, obviously not going to talk about that stuff right now. But you know, I, I, I will say that I, I had more fun this weekend playing it than I have most of the other times I've been playing it, just because later into the game the missions start getting more interesting. Some of the the later freaks missions are pretty friggin' crazy. Uh, there's some there's some good stuff in there. Uh, I think you I think but, uh, uh, I think you are tapping your knee. I think I can hear I am. your knee. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't. I didn't. My knee wasn't moving, but I might have. I might have had a cable shaking or something. Okay. I don't know. But whatever the um, case. Um, so other than GTA, yeah, you you played a a significant amount, or at least some of uh, a certain high definition remake this weekend, right? I did. Uh, I downloaded uh, the Wind Waker HD remake like a week ago, and then I hadn't had a chance to play any of it until yesterday. In which case, I at which point I sunk about three, four, four hours. I'm gonna say into it. Um, that game holds up real well, like real, real well. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I have not played it since it came out on the GameCube. I finished it uh, over the course of about six months after it came out. Uh, kind of savored that one for a while. And, you know, also just the, the tediousness of that, that last quarter of that game sort of kind of made me not want to pick it up a whole lot toward the end. But uh, I hadn't played it in years and years and years. Uh, I loved the shit out of it when I played it, other than that, some of that sailing stuff at the end. I, I love that game to death. And so when, you know, I found out about this remake and it was, they're saying, oh, well, we fixed a bunch of that sailing stuff. You know, we redrew all the art and all that shit. And I was like, well, yeah, sold. This will be my chance to actually sit down, go back, play that game. And I don't regret it one bit. It is a pricey ass remake for a game that is, you know, 10 years old at this point. But it's, it seems like it's worth it if you're a fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I got through to the first dungeon. I, I played a bunch of that. Like the puzzles in that game hold up really well. The the character interaction stuff is really good. I forgot how many weird memorable characters were in that Booker game. Kid. Like just just on Yeah, just like on like Windfall Island, you know, the first time you go there and you see the crazy dancing guy and you know meet Tingle for the first time and there's all that shit all the weird kids around there and stuff. And it's really good. Like all that's like the 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 redrawn art looks fantastic. Uh, mechanically, you know, I was playing with the, the, the gamepad and using that for like kind of the map stuff and, and, and saving and, and all that. And it, it works well. Like everything they've, they've built for that remake is, seems smart and correct for what you would want to do if you were going to meaningfully improve on that What do you, what game. do you do with the, the gamepad? Is, is it purely just like a map of the dungeon or... Yeah, like when you get the dungeon map, you can auto immediately access that stuff, uh, through there. Uh, you can access items like quickly switch items into your your uh your your button prompts through that uh that's kind of all the stuff i've really been doing so far i'm not sure if there's more to it than that but uh that those changes alone are like nice little additions mm -hmm. because it makes it real quick to kind of you know check the map see where you're going see what you need to do that kind of stuff so helpful yeah i'm i'm definitely interested in, in in replaying that again we've talked about that that's like in my december slot of when it when it starts to get cold that seems like the kind of game Pour yourself a glass of whiskey and and see, you know, see where your nostalgia. Which at that point, you know, I think for the amount of time it's been since when Wicker came out, you can appropriately say there is some nostalgia and sort of some retconning of people's opinions of that game uh, versus mm -hmm. what they might have felt about it at the time. And and oftentimes I wonder, you know, what is the alternate world like where Wind Waker was super appreciated the way it is now at the time. Like, what would have happened yeah. to the Zelda series had Wind Waker, which was a big experiment for them, a big going out on a limb where they maintained a lot of the legacy of the series and, and the tone of the series, but tried tried some, some pretty crazy things, especially in regards to the art, and it was kind of rejected, at least by the base at the time, um, in favor of people really wanting, you know, a, a high-end, uh, super realistic Lord of the Rings-style Zelda, um, and you know, obviously the 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 tide has shifted on Wind Waker in the years hence. But what would you know? I just I'm just curious what it would have been like if the future of the series had been determined by man, people really liked Wind Waker. Yeah, it's it's weird to think about, yeah, because you know they tried that stuff again with Phantom Hourglass and the one that came after that, which I I can't really remember very much about. Um, but Phantom Hourglass was great. Like, that, that, when that game came out, that reminded me all over again why I loved Wind Waker, you know? I mean, Phantom Hourglass has had a few issues here and there with some of his dungeon stuff, but, you know, just seeing that art style again, seeing that universe again, seeing, you know, just kind of the stuff they built out of that, like, that shit was really cool, and it reminded me how great Wind Waker was, and, you know, I the thing I was noticing when I was playing through the HD remake was that when I was playing through Twilight Princess, I had to keep forcing myself to keep going, when I was uh, playing Skyward Sword, I had to keep forcing myself to keep going. And I never finished either of those games because I couldn't force myself That's... to finish them. I just wasn't interested. Yeah, I, I, ne I never finished enough. Twilight uh, either. I tried to go back to it before I, I reviewed Skyward Sword. And I and I wouldn't blame anyone yeah. for getting pretty tired of Skyward Sword, especially in the middle section, which is too bad because the... And that's exactly where I where I fell off on it. it was right in the middle where it just sags. It just yeah, sags. And the, and the final and... dungeons in that game are, are prettiest. The Triforce... Dungeon specifically is is amazing, and it's it's too bad. But I don't I don't blame anyone for yeah. not getting stuck in the spot where they really needed to start trimming the fat uh, on that game. Yeah, and that and that that to me it well there, there's so the, the the end of that point was that as I was playing through Wind Waker, I realized holy shit, I missed most of the the morning football game, and the next one's on. I should probably stop for a little <laughs> bit and you know and and actually stop and watch some TV. 
because I I got hooked into it again immediately. Like I was immediately, you know, sucked right back in. And I think that's, you know, that's the most Im impressive quality I can assign to that game is that I did not at any point immediately think, well, I should probably just stop playing this, um, which I have with the last couple of Zeldas. And and I, I forget what I was going to say to the other point. I forgot. What well, Wind Waker is a good game. It is a very, very good game, and it's, it's uh, you know, oh, and the other thing is that that game doesn't have a lot of, other than that fetch quest at the end, that game doesn't have a lot of chaff. I know what everyone complains, that is the, the shortest, I think, among the, some of the major Zelda titles, but it, the dungeons in that game, and other than just the sailing stuff where it's, they've, they've apparently shortened quite a bit, um, there's no, there's no fat to that game to trim. It, it's, it's all pretty good to great. And so, you know, with that in mind, I, I feel like I'm going to have no problem getting through that game again, you know, especially if, if they've, they've trimmed down that, that last bit, because that was the only part that really kind of kind of killed me before. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting into that again. And I also started to get the itch uh, on, I think it was on Friday when uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I will invoke the news briefly. Uh, they announced the lineup for the, the PlayStation Plus content for October and Shadow of the Colossus is on there, the, the HD update uh, that they put out as a bundle with Eco this year, last year. And I bought that on sale from Amazon forever ago, and I still haven't actually played through the HD versions. You, but you've I played have. both games, though, right? Uh, I played all of Eco. I played most of Shadow of the Colossus. I, I think I fell off it at a certain Ooh. point where I just kind of lost interest. Ooh, you but, need, yeah, yeah, you need at some point. I know, what, I know what the ending of that game is, and I know how oh, it ties okay, together. Right. So I, I, I understand everything that is going on in shadows of the Colossus. i just didn't play the okay whole thing, so, so. I, but I, I'm, I am severely tempted to go back i replayed eco yeah i want to say four years ago but that that and portal are certain like portal i play almost yearly just because once you've done it once you can do that game in about you know two hours uh and just sort of uh run through it uh, and i i would like to get into a similar uh thing with eco but i haven't played shadow of the Colossus since it came out and it was astounding and you know also a technical mess uh so i'd love to play that again and um, the other, the other thing I messed with this weekend was, uh, mm. I, got, I got this thing. Yeah. So I saw you put a video up, uh, this, this morning, uh, some of your early experiments with the Oculus Rift. How are you enjoying it so far, sir? Uh, you know, it's so, so I've messed with one before and I, I played with one at trade shows and, uh, I've, I've played with Jess. So, you know, one of the things that I, I think is very common for people when they, get an oculus rift dev kit is you immediately want to start showing it to other people because you've kind of already had the first initial rush and you want to see how other people respond to it mostly because you know i think this is going to be big or at least this technology is going to be big whether it's the oculus or someone else and so you kind of want to see if there's any validation for that um and so you know showing it to other people the first thing that you realize is that you know it's it's immediately apparent some of the technical limitations uh, of what's going on here, like right. the lower resolution. Um, that's immediately apparent to even other people. Um, it's like, Hey, why is it so blurry? It's like, well, it's, it'll be fixed next year. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I've only messed with like some of the initial experiments, but when you actually have a time to sort of start getting over the gimmicky nature of it and you start spending some right. significant amount of time with it and you start trying to understand it as a potential game tool uh a, an optional device or or i guess some of the demos that i found the most impressive and, and they're part of a video that went up today that'll be part of a regular feature every couple of weeks where i kind of drop in and check out uh some of these different experiments um are the ones where it becomes clear this is a integral part of the design and that while you could play this game without an oculus it's hard to imagine it being nearly as engaging without there. And there were two demos right. that made that clear. There's one called proton pulse, which is basically uh, a first person breakout clone where uh, as you move your, your head around, you're moving a little block and you're using that to send a, uh, a ball back and you're trying to just, you know, use the physics in order to, to clear all the balls, all the, all the blocks out of the way, which not, you know, in terms of gameplay design, like, not all that new and innovative. Like, we've played plenty of those games right. before, but there is something sure. so intuitive about moving your head around that it's it's just, it's it's a completely new spin on it that completely worked for me. Um, and the other one is a uh, hacking game. I don't even know how to pronounce it. C-I-E-S-S. -S -S, C-I-E-S-S. I don't, I'm not sure. sure. Anyway, there's... C-I-E-S-S. -S. Yeah, and 
in this one, uh, you're, you're doing things uh, similar to that, uh, where you are using your head to look around an entire matrix, and, and the matrix uh, around you has different defense grids that you're trying to hack into, and it's not what's just in front of you. You actually have to look all the way around to find the different weak points, and it's just it, it's really cool to, to actually sit down and enjoy these experiences that I can't, I can't imagine playing them in any other scenario. Um, and also the ones that were interesting where so one of the first things that happens especially with this dev kit version is nausea and the nausea is largely generated from the not only the low, lower resolution but the fact that uh the head tracking is not at where it's going to be in the in the final one so when you move your head right. really fast it doesn't actually follow exactly what you're doing it's just behind enough to create a weird sense for your eyes where you start freaking out and your visual perception is technically lagging behind the actual movement right, exactly. of your body. Which, and that yeah. induces a lot of nausea very quickly. Um, so right. the, the demos that I would play, um, including one where you have an elephant, and uh, the elephant is moving on a fixed path uh, right forward, and uh, as you move your head, you're moving, you know, you're moving its tusk and uh, or uh, snout. I don't know. What, what do you – an elephant's you – no, know, just – Thing, thing yeah we'll we'll, we'll not we'll as not as zoologist uh Trump. Trump. yeah yes there you go uh and uh you, you're moving that around and knocking into things and when you have a fixed perspective where the gameplay is all rooted in uh your head being the primary sort of like interactivity uh i found that the nausea kind of completely went away and i could swing my head around and not worry about it too much um but uh yeah so i'm excited to to check out more of that stuff my on uh, tomorrow uh, the you know the beginning of Shocktober, uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out a series of horror-related Oculus games that have gotten a lot of interest uh, recently. So uh, that that terrifies me. Uh, I think the idea, uh, as it should, the idea of being trapped in this. Yeah, I don't know. That might be too much. That might be too much. But that's exactly what I'm looking for. Is is too much? Is just too much? Is just is just scare overload for Patrick Klepek? Because I don't look, man. It's been a hard year. I don't. I don't need you. You know. I don't need you checking out on us. I don't need you having a heart attack playing that stuff. If it's gonna be, if it's gonna be bad, you know, maybe maybe just back off a little bit. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to test yourself for us, man. We want you around for the long term. I, I I had also looked into, and I I haven't been able to figure out how to make it work in a way that would be interesting. But at one point, I was sent a game that has a heart rate monitor, and I have the heart rate monitor, but mm -hmm. I don't have like the USB adapter that it needs to send the data from the heart rate monitor to the computer uh, because I was I was toying with the idea of trying to get my heart rate displayed in real time during the, <laughs> these videos but I don't know where the USB adapter went and the the adapter is like 50 bucks so uh, I thought can you just get like a regular USB heart rate monitor for not that much I don't know I don't, if someone knows more than me can. maybe uh, I, I think I think yeah. it would be hilarious to have my heart rate monitored in real time uh, on a video but yeah. So anyway, why don't we why don't we Word. why don't we transfer over to uh, some headlines? Yeah. Why don't we? A few things have happened uh, since last week. Uh, I think we can we can finally round out the uh, the entirety of our extensive Valve coverage from last week by talking a little bit about the uh, Steam controller, which uh, was announced on right. Friday. So this is yeah. So this is this is the the final step in uh, Valve's attempt to take over your living room. Uh, after the Steam Machine and Steam OS, not Steam iOS, Steam OS uh, were announced, Steam controllers come along, and it is a weird ass looking controller. It's got two track pads instead of analog sticks. The button placement looks kind of funky. It's got this kind of inverse shape to it. Uh, a lot of just non-traditional elements to this this uh controller haptic design feedback. but you know haptic which feedback is, key, which is, is a key, thing that... i think if you've read yes uh kotaku uh steven Tatillo has collected uh, a number of opinions of folks that have already played with the controller some that did some that went over and tried it out not long after valve announced it including um one of the designers on super meat boy of which if yeah, Tommy, if, yeah. if there is a game that would put a stress test on a controller that doesn't have traditional input. Uh, I think Super Meat Boy is a, is a great case for it. Um, and, a, and a bunch totally. of other developers, including uh, PC folks. Um, and the haptic feedback seems to be pretty key to, to what makes this thing work because the haptic feedback is sort of linked to helping simulate 
some of those buttons uh, and how you, and and simulating some of that uh, traditional input that we expect from these controllers. And you know, Tommy came out of it. There's a, a long blog post he wrote for Gamma Sutra uh, where he goes into great detail about uh, how it worked and didn't work. And he basically came away from it pretty positive and, and thinking there just needed to be yeah. some tweaks made and that there will probably be games that are better on an Xbox 360 controller. The fact that he was able to come away with it being like, eh, they're pretty close, uh, I think is probably more than a lot of people expected based on the, the reactions uh, to the controller design. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've been reading through a lot of the reactions since Friday and just seeing, like, you know, the usual avalanche of just abject hatred for it because it's not, you know, kind of what we traditionally expect from controller tech. And all I could think about when I was writing that thing up, other than the fact that I didn't completely understand how any of it worked, because I don't really know what haptic feedback means. Like, I had to read that description of what any of that shit meant, like, six times before I finally just said, you know what, I'm just going to reprint this because I can't accurately describe what any What's of this means. It's been a buzzword for so long. Like we've heard yeah, haptic feedback I, for ten years, but it's 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 one yeah. of, it's you no know, it's like an Oculus where it's like I think we've sort of written it off because we've heard the buzzword a million times, but that doesn't mean that the technology is irrelevant. It just needed to go into the right hands, and maybe maybe right. this is an indication of of that happening. And that's exactly what I came away with. It was that you know what maybe. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe this actually has some merit to it. Maybe that the Valve isn't completely out of their minds. Because, again, I, as much as this whole thing seems like a really crazy gamble on them, their part, think about how long we've been talking about them doing this. Like, they, And by the time we found out about it, how much time do you think they'd spent working on this shit before anyone even got a hint that they were working on their own machine or any of this other stuff? I don't feel like they're a company that takes stupid gambles. I feel like they're a company that if maybe even to a fault, considers their decisions to the point where, you know, there's there's very little chance that, that they're they're going into any of this half-assed. So if they're if they're going with this design, it's because they probably feel like it does genuinely have some merit to it. They have tested it with people and they you know they've gotten positive feedback. So that says to me I should at least give it an open shot, you know, actually put my damn hands on the thing before I, you know, start immediately judging it as the stupidest thing ever made. Now, the one thing I did find interesting was that they announced all this without any giving anyone really any noteworthy hands-on time with it. You know, now we're starting to hear about some developers getting to check it out, and that feedback is coming back, and we're starting to see it, and it actually seems pretty positive, which is great. I just think that it was weird that they chose to do this without letting anyone try it and having some impressions go up at the same time, because that could have negated some of that just immediate knee-jerk, what the fuck is this? If people were actually saying, no, here's how it works, and here's how it actually, you know, feels, and this is why it actually makes sense. I don't know. I, I just, that strategy struck me it, as weird. They, they could have negated a lot of it by just having a video that went with it that maybe, you know, showed, hey, here's how ideally we expect the controller to work, and here are practical applications of it. But, you know, Valve does what Valve does, and they're, they're not infallible, and I, and I think their PR strategy for last week was uh, interesting, but, yeah, flawed in, in, some, in some ways, but, uh, you know... We will still hang on every word of theirs going forward. Nothing, nothing will change. And to to your point about maybe this is a stupid risk, like I I, I look at that as a positive. We have essentially been on a singular iterative path since the N64 controller. Since the introduction of the analog stick, uh, we have had iterations on what that means for video games. We added a second analog stick. We changed the position of those analog sticks into uh, two of our right. thumbs. We have largely – the additions that have come since the introduction of the analog stick, if you put aside uh, motion controls, like we're purely talking about sort of the traditional game controller, uh, they haven't been like big sweeping changes. Like they have been welcomed uh, great changes. Like the PS4 and the Xbox One controllers I feel like are the epitome of – are like the pinnacle of where you take this type of controller design. We have taken them about as right. far as we can go, and we're starting to just get into gimmicky territory like the touchpad on the PS4, which, you know, is fine. I mean, this, to be fair, this thing has a touchscreen. It, it does, but, it, but, it's, a but it's, it's a touchscreen, which is different than a touchpad. Yeah. Those, are, those are fundamentally different concepts in terms of what they can do. And you know what? I wouldn't, like, if, if Valve just made it a, a two, two analog controller that had a touchscreen like that wouldn't be that different like the only way that games change are through like 
fundamental shifts in innovation and thinking. And this is maybe won't work. Maybe it won't go anywhere. But at least someone is yeah. trying something different. And this isn't take away from, I think, the uh, probably uh, hard-earned like iteration is difficult too. But iteration isn't the end-all, be-all. And I'm glad that someone is taking a fundamental rethink of controller decisions that were made 10 years ago and saying we don't necessarily have to be locked into what came before. Just because it's working doesn't mean that it's it's right or we have to stay. And so I'm glad that someone like Valve, who's in a position to say, fuck it, is saying, fuck it, and deciding to do something completely crazy because they're kind of the only ones in a position to take that sort of risk. And they're not mm-hmm. taking away from other controllers. You can still use your Xbox controller. You can still use your keyboard and mouse. But maybe, maybe there is a better way or a different way, and I'm glad that they're taking the risk to do it. The timing is interesting because this is the first generation I can remember where, you know, again, sort of excluding the Wii U, perhaps unfairly, but just for the sake of this argument, where the new hardware, the controllers are kind of universally beloved. Like, nobody has had anything negative to say about the Xbox One controller. Nobody's had anything mean to say about the PS4 controller. People love those things. Anyone who gets their hands on them loves them. So, you know, doing this kind of radical shift when it feels like we're at a point now where maybe these hardware makers have started to, to a degree, perfect the basic core design of the same types of controllers we've been using for at least a couple of generations now feels right. It feels like the right time. You know, we're not waiting around for, you know, whatever the next next thing is when, you know, people are desperately fumbling trying different things. Now it's like, okay, well, we have these two systems that have these great traditional controllers the Microsoft ones, which would be used with Windows machines and all that stuff. And now we have Valve over here trying something kind of radically different that's not just, you know, a, a Wii U gamepad, which is his own kind of crazy haptic feedback trackball nonsense. And I'm I'm glad for it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm looking forward to trying it. You know, I it, the whole package of this, this Steam machine, the Steam OS, the Steam controller thing, all sounds a little crazy to me, but... This is one of the few times when something sounding totally crazy actually sounds like the kind of crazy I want to get behind and want to try out. Well, at least so, they're, they're going to for them. They got me. They're going to follow through, like for better or worse. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I expect that Valve will see this through. To to what end I don't know, but I I, I am confident yeah. when they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Um. So this isn't the sort of well, except for Half Life. <laughs> they never announced that. They never announced that. Or but they did have, uh, announce Half Life Episode Three. I guess which, I guess that's again, true. I guess that's not. true. They get yeah. off on a technicality. So. Um, yeah. Some other stuff happened. Uh, Frictional mm-hmm. Games, developers of Amnesia, are currently in the midst of teasing their next game. Uh, we're a couple mm. of weeks out from Amnesia: A Machine for Pigs, uh, which was not made by Frictional. Uh, that was handed off to uh, the Chinese room who worked on uh, Dear Esther. Um, but it seems like that is the appropriate time. Uh, to maybe announce what Frictional is up to next. They've been rumored to be working on a space-set horror game, uh, which may, yes. which appears to be that might be the next frontier. Uh, there's a game called Routine. Uh, if people have seen the video for that going around, that is basically a space horror roguelike uh, in first person that looks terrifying, and it sounds like Frictional mm-hmm. is going to take to uh, take to space as well, which makes me super excited because uh, I loved Dead Space, and I... I think there is a lot to explore in crazy AIs or in aliens uh, and, and things of that nature that, that games have uh, have not really touched upon too much. Yeah, because, I mean, the Dead Space games should have totally been my jam straight through. Like, those... The first one I did really like. Uh, a few, you know, complaints aside, I thought the first Dead Space game was pretty terrific. Um, but just the, the, the problem I've always had with those games is that they're too much about doom style monster scares than like just you know the kind of pervasive sense of dread and unease that you one is sort of kind of meant to feel because space horror is all about feeling just tragically alone just totally isolated and you know just so far off the map from where anything normal resides and those games especially the later sequels just got too actiony and too not really about the atmosphere for me those guys doing something with space horror fills me with a simultaneous sense of glee and dread like few other things have. Like, I, knowing the kind of stress that Amnesia put me through, I am simultaneously very much looking forward to seeing what they would do with, you know, a kind of more uh, extraterrestrial setting. 
and also deeply, deeply anxious about actually sitting down to play something like that. Yeah, uh, I feel like the countdown has begun yet again for me to be excited when Frictional announced they have delayed their next game uh, because that's basically how I felt every time uh, Machine for Pigs was like, oh, it turns out we're not coming out in the spring, we're coming out in the fall, and I was like, like I have dodged a bullet. I don't have to play that game. And I like I just got through Outlast and Amnesia Machine for Pigs. So like even though I'm going to be playing tour games throughout this month uh, on the site, like I do, do not expect any of them to be on the level of either of those games uh, except for maybe these Oculus games. I pr- particularly there is one that I've heard is really it's going to do a number on me. Um but mm-hmm. uh yeah, uh, the the countdown has begun. They haven't they have a website that seems to be uh, progressing based on, like, refreshes, so we should be hearing about it uh, pretty soon. But uh, I'm excited to see what they're doing, uh, especially because uh, over the weekend there was also, uh, you know, never-ending nightmares. We had uh, Matt Gilgenbach on, on the show not, not, not too long ago. And his Kickstarter for his, uh, his horror game, which is partially rooted in uh, some of his own uh, OCD and depression uh, and other issues, um, got funded. He was asking for, I think, 99000 uh, and it went over. Um, there was some, I don't know if you followed some of the drama that went alongside that Kickstarter. All I saw was that it was real down to the wire. Uh, I wasn't really paying too much attention beyond that, but that it, I knew I knew it was getting real close to, to the end there before he, he went so, over. So, the, so Joystick has uh, a good story summarizing uh, what happened, but the, the gist of it is that this guy, Gabriel Pinto, uh, who's a backer from Brazil, he wanted to uh, raise his pledge. He'd already pledged, and he wanted to increase it. That's one of the common ways that people will try and create momentum at the end is, you know, increase sure. it from 15 to 20. And if everyone does that, then you can get a, a pretty significant boost collectively. Uh, so he wanted to raise his pledge to 95, but however he typed it in, uh, Kickstarter interpreted that as 9,500, and that 9,500 uh, put the Kickstarter over the, the, the asking amount. And one of the rules that hmm. kicks in if you are the person, uh, one of you are the person, but once it gets, once it hits its uh, pledge amount, um, you can't reduce your pledge to defund the project. Essentially, so, so like right. you can reduce how much you've pledged, but if what you reduce is going to bring it under, it won't allow you to do that. And so this kid right. had meant to contribute basically a hundred bucks, and now he was on the hook for ten thousand. And if so there are a couple of things that can happen once a Kickstarter uh, project has has reached its goal. If it reaches its goal, and then at the point that Amazon then starts collecting the payments from users, if there are payments that don't go through, like if that ten thousand couldn't be paid, Matt Gilgenbach still gets the rest of the money. You know they don't they don't sure once that once it's it's closed, they're not going to penalize you because there were a couple of guys that screwed up. Um, but fortunately, like he, the, this this kid Gabriel Pinto went into the comments, explained his dilemma, uh, and then people started raising their pledge amounts so that so uh. that he could bring his down. Uh, and then eventually, uh, <clears throat> there was enough momentum in the final hours that he was able to bring his down to his 95 uh, uh, pledge amount that he wanted to actually give. So there's a happy story for everyone involved. Yeah, but that's I can't imagine the. St- he said he like submitted it and then he just started crying and there was nothing he could do and he felt terrible and it's just yeah it seems like there's a lot of stress that goes into uh, these kickstarters and uh, so crowdfunding crowdfunding is a crazy wild bully fucking place right now and it, it seems like that is not going to go away anytime soon especially uh, you know when it comes to some of the hopes and dreams of people being shattered speaking of hopes and dreams being shattered by kickstarter uh, or crowdfunding in general, uh, it's worth noting that the Shadows of the Eternals project has now officially been put on hold after the last Kickstarter did not go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, of course, the team that, uh, you know, famously came out of uh, Silicon Knights, Dennis Dyack and team, trying to make this this thing happen with multiple Kickstarters, uh, you know, variety press of press blitzes, like trying everything they possibly could to get a community behind this thing for a spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness. Did not happen. It is going on hold. Uh, Patrick, you and I have actually had the chance to talk to these guys. We've had a chance to kind of, you know, see where these things have kind of gone wrong. Is there a future for this game? Like, is there a chance that this comes back in, you know, a year or two and, you know, finally people get behind it and they do something? Or, I mean, like, is there even a chance that this studio 
does anything from here. I kind of don't really know what to make of any of it, honestly. No, I, I think any sort of teasing about this project's status or potential future is just saving face um, and wanting to not explain this in the bleak terms that are probably more accurate. I, I really don't expect that Shadows of the Eternals will be coming back. I think the amount of baggage that goes with that name at this point, uh, if there is a game from the ashes of Shadows of the Eter- Shadow of the Eternals, it's going to be called something else uh, because yeah. I just don't think having to, to bring all of that along with it uh, would be a positive for a new project. So, you know, the idea that Dennis Dyack will eventually get to work on a spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness, you know, my guess is that someday he manages to pull that off. Um, but, you know, he blew his one shot to make that happen through crowdfunding. That's never going to happen. Um, yeah. So he, now he needs to try and see if he can make that happen through traditional funding. But I can't imagine uh, after a crowdfunding project goes as awry as this one did that anyone's going to be interested in investing in something like that. So, you know, basically no. I think what, what has to happen here is that stuff goes on hold. Dennis Dyack needs to regroup. You know, he needs a hit game. He needs peop- a reason for people to believe in him again as a designer. And, you know... A- and he's going to have to do it anonymously at this point, I think. Like, I think he's going to have to go somewhere and just make a game without making a big deal about the fact that he's involved before people will start to trust him again. Because it's pretty clear that the name Dennis Dyack is is something of a poison pill now. Uh, it did them no favors whatsoever, you know, in, in, in including him in the, in the marketing for that for that crowdfunding project. Like, no, there was no, nothing about Dennis Dyack's presence helped that game. Uh, maybe creatively it did in terms of the actual project, but in terms of promoting it, none whatsoever. No one else there, you know, nothing else about that team really leapt out about at people or really said, you know, hey, you know, that makes us want to fund this, that makes us want to pay for this project. So I don't, I don't see a real, I don't see a real future for that group. You know, I, I hate to say that for, for, you know, something that is obviously, you know, put together quickly and they'd obviously want to try and, and make a go of it, but like, I don't know. I just I, I can't see that that group trying to promote anything at this point, especially after the debacle, you know, they've gone through here. Because like you said, I, who's, who the hell is going to invest in a project for a studio that couldn't get one game crowdfunded like multiple times? It just doesn't seem like the sort of thing you would want to throw your money after. No, no, definitely, definitely not. And I I, I expect we will hear from Dennis Dyack again, but uh, he I expect he will be going underground for a little while going yeah. forward. Uh, but, uh, you know. Think of him like a Bond villain. You know, he, he escaped <laughs> at the end of the movie. He's going to run off for a while. He's going to build his new secret lair and get his new henchmen together. And then, you know, two or three sequels down the line, he'll be back with an all-new adventure. It'll be fantastic. You're probably, you're probably right. I still would like to chat with him about Eternal Darkness. I still want to play through that game. The couple hours I played last summer were hugely entertaining, uh, and, and I think I probably still would enjoy quite a lot about that game. So, uh Maybe that's something I can try and sneak into this month. We'll see. Um, so for uh, anyone that wants to shoot us some questions, uh, why don't you uh, hit me up in the chat uh, as we start to, to wind down the, the show with the, the last couple of headlines, and uh, we will hit some of those up before uh, before we say goodbye. Before we, we leave, yes. Uh, I got nothing else, so whatever you got, throw it at see. me. Sega CCO says, no current plans for Yakuza 5 in the West. Big shock. Big mm. shock. Uh, I yeah, I pulled up the the lineup for PlayStation Plus in October, which also includes uh, Hotline Miami and Kings of Amalur: Reckoning. Ah, yes. Um, I have not. I've been hovering over purchasing Hotline Miami for my Vita uh, a number of times, or rather, Office Vita. That I guess might as well right. be my Vita. Um, and I'm super excited to play that game on a Vita. I think that is perhaps maybe the most ideal of places to play that game. Totally. So I'm, uh, I never finished it, so I am I'm looking forward to, to actually maybe doing that uh, this time around. And I doubt I will play Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, but by all accounts, that is a pretty decent game from pe- the people. I am told good things about it. Uh, not the sort of thing I generally tend to play, but, you know, I'll probably download it and then never play it. 
but, you know, I, I have not taken full advantage of PS Plus the way I should have. There have been a lot of games that I've downloaded and not really spent the time playing. But uh, I will definitely play some Hotline Miami on my Vita, uh, especially this week since I'm going to be constantly traveling back and forth between the city and Queens uh, for events and stuff. So that would be a good time to get some Hotline Miami going. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Fetter Dave asks, uh, what are your Alex Giant Bomb's plans to cover GTA Online's launch? Alex, do you actually think that is going to launch this week? Yes. Do you think so? Okay. Uh, it, oh, God, is that this yeah, week? Yeah, October really? 1st. Oh, uh, if there's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if it was going to be delayed, they would have said something by now. Uh, so I'm guessing it will launch. I don't know what kind of shape it'll be in. Uh, maybe it'll be ready. Maybe it won't. But my guess is uh, sometime around Unprofessional Fridays, you will certainly see some people playing some some GTA Online. Don't quote me on that because for Quoted. all I know, Jeff could, you know, he could, he could see this and be like, fuck no, we're not doing that. But I don't think he would. <laughs> I imagine there will be some video coverage in there somewhere. Uh, you know, I'll play it once it's out and I can, you know, kind of mess around with it. I'm sure you will check it out at some point and we will talk about it. Uh, Giant Bomb's coverage plans for GTA Online outlined right now. Yep. There you go. That's it. I just I just did it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Potu Skull asks, will Microsoft and Sony have one more event to talk about their systems? Uh, my guess is, you know, there there are no more major events in terms of ones yeah. where the industry comes together, uh, like a PAX or a TGS or an E3. Uh, but there will mo- uh, Xbox is going on the road. They're doing a road show. Uh, they're stopping in various yeah. cities. My guess is Sony will probably do something similar. Those are pretty common leading up to, to console launches. Um, and Sony did a, th- did a couple of uh, things about a month ago in a few cities where it was mostly them showing builds that were at Gamescom. Uh, so there's a possibility they might try and do something else for their first-party stuff. Microsoft might do the same. Don't know. Now is the time when third-party publishers are going around and, and hawking their wares a little bit. So, like, I'm going to go see all of EA's next-gen stuff over the next of the couple next couple weeks. So the sports stuff this week and then Need for Speed next week. Uh, other companies are starting to grumble about showing some of that stuff here and there. So what I, I think at this point the major companies, like the, 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 the console makers, are not as... Heavy, like heavily touting the press because I think they've kind of done the major press runs for those consoles. Now it's kind of up to the the games publishers to get the games out there in front of people before November comes around and completely swallows in this industry whole. Uh, so at this point, it's it's going to be one off events for for various games. I don't think there's going to be any more big uh, collective events that I'm aware of. I've I've asked a couple of times and not really gotten much response from anyone. So it doesn't sound like that's in the immediate future going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if there are launch style events there there will certainly most likely sure. be uh you'll get a, sort of a last wave of impressions uh from games especially as those next gen versions get locked down um where the press is you know invited to come out and and see all that stuff right. on final hardware and things like that uh, but by all, all indications we have heard uh in terms of the press getting access to games uh, and hardware uh, for launch uh, a lot of that stuff is going to be coming in very hot uh, unless things unless super things hot change um, Chris Tilton. Oh, look, Chris Tilton getting into the chat and asking questions. Well, Xbox One and PS4's Twitch integration, it all changed how you guys stream games for features, particularly you and Alex. Uh, maybe, but um, yeah, we'll have to see how all that stuff actually functions. Uh, the big question mark there is getting that archived on the site. Uh, Twitch has right. uh, famously poor... Uh, abilities for you to pull down video files, even ones that uh, you have streamed and created in your profile. There are tools to do so, but those tools involve you pulling down videos in 30-minute chunks, uh, and they... Which is not ideal by any stretch. Yeah, and, you know, you can recompile those in, you know, Adobe Premiere, and there there are ways of doing all of this stuff, but uh, actually making any sort of assumptions about it uh, is tough before we can actually see how all of that stuff works, what the compression looks like, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I don't have an Elgato, uh, but I should probably just pick one up at this point. Um, it would be nice. Ni- Here's what I'll say about the Elgato, just before you, you run out uh-huh. and buy one of those things. Uh, if you plan on having yourself on camera, it's kind of a pain in the ass, because there is a several second delay between uh, what appears on your computer and what appears uh, in, in what is recorded of you talking. You can set mic delay in that thing, which helps, but you can't set camera delay. Uh... So... It's a real, it, it can get real tricky when you're trying to, to record. Like, you can watch the TV and not have to watch that footage, but then there is delay between what you're talking about and what is going on in the footage. And it's a little, it's, 
it's one of those things I have not completely figured out yet. Uh, I've, I found a couple of workarounds, but they're not ideal. So just, you know, no. Otherwise, the Elgato is a great piece of capture hardware. It's just that one thing that drives me fucking crazy. Interesting. So. Uh, well, that seems it still seems to be the best option, but we'll see. Maybe if uh, if this 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 uh, this Twitch integration, maybe we'll provide uh, a better solution for some occasional console content, uh, which uh, certainly you and you and I Let's do hope. less of because of the the technical limitations. Um, yeah. The Bio Lover, who is reviewing Rain? Probably no one, but I'm very much looking forward to playing it because that's also another game that comes out this week. God damn it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll certainly have some kind of coverage of that game, but I'm not I'm not of the I don't believe anyone is currently working on reviewing. No, that my game, guess is there'll be so. a quick look, and uh, I will certainly be yes. playing it because what I saw of it at E3 looked uh, really promising, um, and I and I like the yeah. stuff that uh, Sony Japan puts out. All right, let's see if we can pick one. Just before you uh, before uh-huh. you grab a question, you were talking about reviewing a couple of those uh, those horror games this month. Yeah, right? the, yeah, Amnesia the... and uh, and Outlast. Uh, I figure. Uh, rather than just, I mean, I was going to sit down and write write up my thoughts on them. I suppose I might as well put a score next to it and make yeah. Why not? You. I've got a I've got Beyond next, so that'll be interesting. Ooh, I uh, I yeah. redeemed like I it hasn't shown up yet, but it's, it's supposed to be coming to me. I, so. went, I went on Facebook and redeemed uh, a code so I could play it, get a demo of that. When does that come out? Is that cool. later this? That's what? next week. Yeah, oh, October. 8th. Alex is oh, all the games. Oh. I know, and we haven't even hit November yet, which November, if anything's going to kill us, it's going to be the weeks between November 15th and November 27th. Th- that Those days are going to destroy us. I think us. Link to the so, Past 2 and Super Mario 3D World come out on the same day. As the Xbox One. Fuck. Yeah, so... Well, I'll just go on vacation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, take your time off where you can, because you're fucked for November. God. Uh... uh I will at least acknowledge that people are asking for thoughts on, on Breaking Bad, but I don't feel like this is the appropriate venue to even talk in the vaguest terms, except that I really enjoyed it. Sure. That is all I will say. Uh, ba, 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 ba. I don't know. That's I think we we covered. We covered is we covered some stuff. stuff. Uh, so what do you what do you got going on uh, on the site this week? You are you just traveling a lot? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not traveling exactly. I'm just going into the city a bunch. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, the last stuff for WWE 2K14 today. I'm gonna go see a couple of Ubisoft games tomorrow. Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed. At which point I'm gonna ask why South Park's not there and punch Stone Chin in the <laughs> face. Uh, and then uh, later this week I'm seeing the EA Sports Next Gen stuff. So there's a lot of games to go see and a lot of things that I will hopefully be able to report back on by the next show unless embargoes start getting real stupid on me again. But uh, other than that, uh, once Beyond gets here, I'll be working on that for review and just kind of trying to bang out other stuff where I can. What about you? What do you got coming up? I had jury duty on Thursday. That's not... You can't put that on the website. That's not content. I, I feel like I found a lot of ways to get a lot of content on the site. I, I, I feel like I can shoehorn jury duty in there somehow. Can you bring a laptop to jury duty? Yeah. Probably not, right? Can you live stream jury duty? I don't think you can do that. I don't. I think legally you can't. Probably do not. That. It's just a one day thing, like worst case scenario. So I guess I could show up and be dismissed. But I went six years without getting called in San Francisco. I'm here back in the Chicagoland area for two months. I got a letter in the mail. So I have that on Thursday. So I, I don't know how much I'll be doing uh, on Thursday. But uh, so uh, today, my big thing I have to do is I have to get together my October list of horror films. Uh, I'll, I think mm. I'll put those up. I'll put that up on the site. I, I, I'm thinking I might go with you on this year. Like I, I might I might try and stick to your schedule a little bit and, 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 and take the ride with you. Um, so that, that'll be a list that goes up on the site. People have asked me about that. So I might as well just... Uh, Usually the way I've structured in the past is just I'll there'll be 31 trailers and 31 movies, uh, and then you can kind of go at it how mm-hmm. however you may. Um, and then uh, some Spookum and Scoops, uh, Oculus Rift Edition uh, tomorrow night. Uh, because because I can use the Rift, I don't <clears throat> I don't necessarily need it to be pitch blackout. So maybe I'll start that a little bit earlier. Uh, than usual because I, it's going to be pitch black inside that thing anyway um, and then yeah I have uh, a lot of interviews to conduct this week uh, related to uh, various uh, uh, horror related things that'll, that'll be happening so a lot of that's happening this week I, I already banked an interview with uh, the lead designer of Outlast um, 
talking awesome. to uh, both uh, the lead designer of Amnesia the Dark Descent and the designer on A Machine for Pigs in separate interviews this week. Um, and some other, some other. Real quick question, without actually asking uh-huh. any details: Did the one interview come together? The one. The one that we talked about. Yeah. That you were excited yeah. about. My, my hail good. mary, my hail Glad mary to email it. to a creepy website. Yeah, yeah, that worked out. Yeah, good. Um, so we'll actually see if I get the answers to that. But uh, so a lot of that stuff is cool. going to be the my focus. Um, you know, not exclusively, but I, I'm definitely going to be doing uh, a lot more themed content uh, in that capacity throughout the month. But uh, other than that. I guess that I guess that's a show. Stuff. I guess that's a show. That is a Alex, show. you should do your weekly column again. People keep asking. Uh yeah, I, I know. Okay. I know. Um <laughs> All right. So that is a bomb the AM uh with Scoops and the Wolf for for the Monday. Uh Alex, I Ow! assuming I don't go to jail on Thursday, like the the jury duty is not where they send you to jail, right? Uh I don't know. I've actually never done jury duty before, uh, so I can't tell you. You want to just fly out? Just do mine. No. Okay, fine. We're going to end the show. (laughs) Bye, Alex. We'll see you on Friday. Later, dude. Woo.